Fighting for Derek Hansen from the Tuesday Jack Michaels show. He's got it. <laughs> nah, I was going to grab the cut of that. I didn't have time, but I was going to. He's got it, and you're right. He, it, it, yeah, Royce, baby, Royce, baby. I love that thing. It's a God thing. You know, you look at Royce Lewis, and you look at the ACLs. You look at where minor league baseball, and you know the the COVID year. You look at the 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 abdominal, the oblique. Uh, you look at the hamstring laid in the deeper part of his thing. You look at all of that. And sometimes you have to wonder if there's maybe not another power at stake, Derek, going, no, no, now's your time. And he steps in and hits the first and then hits the second two innings later, and you're thinking, okay, it, here we go. Uh, I well, you play the quote in the post game that I think hit the nail on the head. I feel like I was blocked out the whole time because they they're not even in. in their own body anymore, just, right? Just the, Right. And that's what happens. And I think For the Love of the Game was the movie that kind of showed that, that what actual – and that's because Jack Morris described it that way in – 1991 in Game sure. 7, what Kevin Costner was playing in that game where he's just dealing, right? And that's what you have where you're just seeing the ball so well. And that was Kirby Puckett. I remember him saying, there were some times where I was seeing the ball so well when I was hot that you could really see the stitches spin one way or the, the other. It slowed down so much. Could you imagine? We got a guy on today. I wonder if it didn't happen to him a couple of times. Oh, yeah. I think uh, he said it before, yeah. <laughs> uh, not only the four-hit game that helped the Phillies, you know, beat the Mets and, 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 and win the, you know, uh, that pennant eventually, but the, the World Series, or even in, at Newman Outdoor Field, when a guy named Jamie Ibarra for the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, very tough pitcher, when it looks like you have just drawn ball four, but a brutal strike call brings you back to home plate, and you take the next pitch about 400 feet out of the park. You just wonder, in these athletes, you're right, Derek, if if it slows down. It, it's funny, like not that Days of Thunder is the best movie ever, but it, but it's like the movie Days of Thunder when you've got all the Tom Cruise I think is in his car, Duvall's in his earpiece, and he's scared to kind of go through the wreck, and then he just kind of locks in and drives through, and all he just he just sees this uh, yeah or or was it a tin not tin cup maybe Bagger Vance the one golf movie where he's stuck in the um, trees and he's having flashbacks to probably World War One ish I forget the seat what year it's the been so long since one I've or seen, two. Yeah. And and he's and he's he's trying to mix between his memories of the war and this golf shot, and then it then he sees you know then his his golf pro there is uh, is helping him out you know he's giving him all these lessons, and it's Will Smith I think played the golf right caddy. played beggar yeah. beggar beggar, and then uh, Matt Damon's character just sees through trees and he and he swings and the you know, all right so it's all so well, I think Tiger talk, had a little bit of that when he Tiger was probably, in his zone <laughs> so these athletes that to, to Royce Lewis and in your reflection back to his comment where you wonder if you're feeling it when you're in it Michael Jordan probably had it a thousand times uh-huh. you know Kobe Bryant probably had that a handful of times in his uh, career uh well but, I think LeBron James kind of mentioned it when he when he beat the the Golden State Warriors, that defensive play that huh. he made, you know, I mean, just I think those are times that he did too. And you got to wonder, okay, we talk about offensively seeing the ball and the pitchers pitching the ball too. I'm still, I've watched it. I had to re, you know, rewind it a few times. I don't know how Carlos Correa got from where he was at it's to a, get to that ball, to throw you. it home. I, I can't. Thank you. It doesn't. That had to have been something out of a superhero movie where, like, we, time stood still, and then yeah. we're all just kind of watching it go by fast because I don't know with Planter Fashide, you know, right. all that everything stuff. he's dealing with, right? And then he runs to that spot where Polanco. Bless your heart for bringing it up because it it's, really should it's not be. It's one of the most be, amazing plays of the not, day. It should not be overshadowed. Royce Lewis's day 
put a cape on him. Right. And you you have seen the future. You have you have now physically, if you didn't know already, you have seen this former number one pick that has come into his own. But Derek, I I am so glad you brought that up. It is. You know, we had Sam, I don't know how he got to that spot. We had Sam Dexter on yesterday, a tremendous defensive professional shortstop who I've seen make plays that are just in, insane. I, I don't know, and you, you described some of it right there. You know, when that ball is a swing and bunt, you call them, you know, it, it, it's a chopper on right. the infield. So your third baseman, it's, got a, it's a scoop and throw. And even if he does scoop and throw, Polanco, who knows if you're going to get the guy. It's just one of those plays. But until you watched the replay, and if you're watching, I was watching ESPN later that night, last night, uh, maybe it was Major League Baseball Network, and they highlighted where Carlos was and where the ball was and where Bichette was. Yeah. And like you, Derek, I thought, how? It's one thing to get there. It's one thing to get there. It's another thing to barehand it with enough feel. Right. It's a third thing to be able to even get an angle of your body to throw. And it's yet another thing to put it anywhere near where it needs to be. And he almost put it on the money. I think Jeffrey made a little bit of a short, whatever it was, but it was absolutely, Derek. There were really literally four parts to that play. That was the only thing I was scared so of is that uh, they were going to call Jeffers for not giving him a clear path, which right, I think right. is an awful rule, but, uh, yeah, but the, Buster, the Buster Posey rule. But yeah. I, I, that was the only thing I was concerned about. I think they were going to look at it, too, that way. But uh, it I, was uh, that his arm strength, too, on that, how he threw it and Jeffers, boom. I was reading the Toronto Star today, <laughs> like three different articles. Look at the first one I unloaded. Can you read that from no. that far off? <laughs> I have my glasses, glasses in my car, on. sorry. I, I have my glasses in the bag here. Should Bo Bichette have gone home? So that was one article on the Boy, I don't mind that. I I, I thought when that ball went by Polanco, I, I think if Korea is aggressive, you got yeah, well, I just described four things yeah. that had to happen for Korea to throw him out. So, so I, that, I think with, the when answer. the ball went by Polanco, right. I'm going. I, I think he has to go there. Yeah. I, I mean, Carlos Correa, if he wasn't superhuman, I mean, I, yeah, whether it be a, Quicksilver yeah. from the Marvel comics or yeah. the Flash yeah. from DC he's comics, that was yeah. something that right. that was ridiculous. Uh, here's Toronto Star um, columnist number two. I don't know why I'm just showing this to Derek we're on radio, but just to prove that I've, I've, I've downloaded these. Kevin Gossman struggled against the Twins in Game 1. Should Blue Jays have started him? <laughs> well, well, yes. Well, it's, it's, of course, the, it's the hindsight articles. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, well, the problem is, is he's going up against a team that has figured him out a kinda, little bit. Yeah, a lot of talk today on the day. We'll talk to Chris about that, yeah. too. If, how, do pitchers, and to what degree, can you tell and, and trust that no. they are pitching, that they're that they're tipping their pitch. And I should say, figure out one guy figured him out for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> well, it's not like the offense did much else outside well, of I text uh, you Royce go, Lewis. You text me going, "Wow, you know, we were just talking. I was just talking about Royce Lewis." So Derek texts me as the game's going on. I maybe right about the first home run. I text you back, and I went, "Man, of the Twins having some good at bats early on." So you and I were back and forth with each other yesterday afternoon, texting each other. And I said, man, the Twins are having some good competitive quality at bats here early on. Good sign. Uh, the third one that I brought down from the Toronto Star was uh, just Blue Jays' Jose Barrios relishes opportunity to face off against his old club. So, and that really, you know, that that's kind of their 
their take today. Derek, I have two questions today, and I have like three that I, and I'm trying to decide to go with. Um, I forget who tweeted it out. Someone from the uh, uh, Twin Cities media. I'll get to it in a second. And the other, uh, the other is food. I might have four questions by the time. So, but let's get to the phone. We're coming to you from our Gunnerson Jewelers studio. Yeah, Todd just dropped off. Todd tried to call back. I'm not sure what happened there. But we got uh, oh, Harlan with us. We lost one, but we got another yeah, one. Harlan, right, Harlan, good to have you on board. Thanks for taking time today. What's up? Thanks for having me. I I kind of look at that Correa play, and you go back to. Derek Jeter, when he the line the throw that was offline, that is kind of immortalized. He mm, caught it, right. he got it to the catcher. Yes. I thought of that and one I right away too. Yes, yep. good call, Harlan. Oh. And this one, I think, just outdoes that one just because of the just the way he could make that play. It, 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 you know, and it's funny in games like that because the Twins, you know, pitched it well. Obviously defended well. We haven't even got to Michael A. Taylor. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. defended it well, and then, then Royce Lewis kind of stole the show with his game. I mean, Harlan, that when you're going to break an 18, <laughs> 18 game playoff drought, that's how you do it, isn't it? Right, all three factions. Absolutely, they were just uh, spot on, and hopefully they can just finish it today and align for the next series. Yeah, let's go. Great call. Great reference on the Jeter. Um, good call, Harlan, today. Did you say we have Todd on one? Yep, Todd, Todd back. Hello, Todd. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, here's here's my question, and I I don't know if the lineup has been uh, announced for today, but uh, are the are the Twins looking to uh, change their infield a little bit? Uh, yesterday they had uh, Edward Julian at second. Solano came in at, at first and made a great play at the end, but I'm concerned about Polanco at third. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, he made two errors. And yeah. hadn't been there, and that's that's a, a spot. It's it's a fair uh, assessment. Rocco had to. Rocco made some moves yesterday too, depending on matching up bat, arms with uh, bats, bats and arms. I should say. Uh, I have not. Derek, have they posted it yet today? I've yet to see it, but you know, I, mean, I think if Royce, if Lewis's hamstring was better, I think obviously he's playing third, and Polanco is probably DHing because Polanco is yeah. not known for his fielding, even at second base, right? right. I mean. And I think, you know, they put him at shortstop and they moved him to second base for a reason. I thought he was okay at shortstop more than what they did, but they moved him to second base and brought in Carlos Correa and then moved him to a third, something he's not used to. It's a little tough in this situation. Hmm. Obviously, they're doing it to get that bat in there and match him up against those arms. And you're right. Gonna, you're going you're gonna to see well, that. Well, Blanco, I mean, he's being a switch hitter. He's a perfect type of DH, too, and he can right. adjust to it more than what Byron Buxton yeah. certainly ever did. And but, obviously, but it's but working Royce, okay for Royce Lewis, too. Yeah, and Royce isn't playing the field anytime soon, I'd imagine. That's what yeah. – I mean, it's all about his hamstring. If, right. I mean, he said in the postgame, whatever – that's a Rocco question. And so if he feels he can do it, I think they probably want him to do it because – He's just a better fielder. Just don't get around it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. No, it's just that's that's just what I saw yesterday with the with I Jorge. Thought they might put uh, put uh, Farmer in at, at no. third. But another option. It, it, well, the problem is then you got to take a bat out because you want Polanco's I'm, bat in there, right? And so yeah, but he he didn't hit yesterday, did he? Well, no, but I mean, I mean he, nobody nobody hit really except Lewis, right? No, yeah. I mean that's just it. I mean, but, but if you're looking at, I mean, I like Farmer a lot. Don't get me wrong. Might but see that late for a def- like a like a 100%. defensive replacement. You know, yeah, he's a great third baseman yeah. replacement. Yeah, it's a valid point, though, Todd. And uh, as soon as that lineup uh, uh, posts, if it posts here during the show, I uh, definitely give that out today too. So good call. I, I, I did. I did hear Dick uh, this morning uh, on another deal, and he solidly predicted that the Twins would score more than three runs today against. Uh, Darius and the uh, Blue Jays. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a better matchup. Cross our fingers. I mean, it's one of those games too where you have a former player player where he's going to go lights out, 
and that'll be the talk, or he gets shelled, and that'll be the talk, usually how it goes. And, or it could be something in between, like the Thielen against the Vikings on it Sunday. It could be. You've got the Jack Michaels Show coming to you live and direct, uh, 740 The Fan, 237-3767, gets you in. The text club is 35270. By the way, we sent a uh, – our company sent a lot of folks that, that, that uh, bought tickets yeah. uh, for the bus, and the first home run where the seats were that that our that our listeners uh, jumped on the bus to go were down the left field line. Apparently, they were uh, uh, a, th- a stone's throw away from Lewis's first home run. I thought, wouldn't that have been great? Would have been the listeners that that bought the ticket through our that went on the the bus, the KFGO bus, our sister station. Wouldn't that have been great if they would have caught Royce Lewis's home run ball? Oh. I mean, that would have been the complete thing. That would have been yeah, it. Ma- that would have been, that would have been a way to top it off for commu- sure. A couple text messages coming in at 35270. On, on our way to game two, the lineup is same today. So interesting. There you, oh, there you go. Um, so. Bobachette should have ran hard the whole way on the play. Doesn't take anything away from the great play, though. That's I didn't notice how hard he was running because I just I thought he was running. You know, he was approaching third, and I think he kicked it in. Obviously, once he felt that ball go underneath, so there might have been right. Well, might- and I think that the, the there was someone said I think someone on the radio side said they thought they saw a stop sign from the third base coach. But then, as it went through <laughs> the wickets, right. so I guess you know, kind of going Could by. Could have pulled a Bryce Harper if you caught the other games going on. He had a full two hand stop sign. Went, I don't think so. Ran right through it and got an insurance <laughs> run. He was safe by two feet. I'm like, there you go, a little insurance run late. The worst I ever saw was one time Shannon Stewart ran through uh, uh, Scotty Alger's stop sign. Yeah, and, right. and Scotty just stood, this is a spring training, he just stood there. And he was staying his hands up like he was saying a field goal was good. The, uh, and the, boy, did he chew butt on the way back. <laughs> you know, Coaster, Chris Coaster joins us, by the way, at, at, at 20. It's always good talking ball with Chris, who's been in. It, it, I, I just love Chris when he can just tap into all of his experiences. So he's, he'll give us some insight on that. I'm sure there's been a few guys that have run through some of his stop signs as a manager doing <laughs> third. Here, I saw this tweet. I wish I could give reference out to it, but it was, it was all about. Um, our, our, I don't know if it was. It, it was all about uh, the stars that, that that Minneapolis has right now, the superstars that Minneapolis St. Paul has, and and the tweet went out. Went I, I think it was uh, it was Anthony Edwards and uh, and uh, Towns you know, Towns uh, uh, Royce Lewis, and they they left Kirill off because I was going <laughs> to go in there and I don't usually respond to a lot of Twitter stuff. But I was like, mm, what about Kaprizov? Um, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, Royce Lewis, I think it was Anthony Edwards, and and then every as you as you just said, Derek, many went uh, Kareel Kaprizov. Yeah, I would say that might be a big omission. So my question is this: of team of cities that have the Big Four, and Derek, I did make a, a copy for you to your right somewhere in there. And in case you don't know, you know Boston, Chicago, Dallas, Denver, Detroit, L.A., Miami, New York, Philly, Phoenix, San Fran, Bay Area, and D.C. That have the big four, NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. The names we just reeled off, you know, as far as superstars, high profile, you know, exciting. Lewis, Edwards, and or Towns, take your pick in the NBA. Justin Jefferson, Kirill Kaprizov. Does Minneapolis, St. Paul, of the cities that have all four big ones, are those names in the upper, upper echelon? 
it, it really is some homework, by the way. And those of you that are tooling to, to apples for game two, feel free to play that game on your on your car ride home. Obviously, you got to go. You know, and I was thinking, well, L.A.'s got LeBron, but you start going into the the Rams and or the Chargers, and uh, is there someone out there? I mean, that, they got Trout and and, and a okay. bunch of players of the Dodgers. I mean, because you got so many sports uh, there. That's true. Yeah. But I mean, who are the Kings and Duck stars? I mean, I just don't. Right. You know, I don't think anybody uh, trumps Jefferson from the football no. standpoint between the the Rams and or the Chargers, right? I don't think anybody surpasses JJ. No, no, um, I don't think so. I think yeah, maybe on the baseball front, as hot as Royce Lewis's name is right now, hey, you can grab a couple Dodgers there. But anyway, so, so Philadelphia has Harper. They got a, Jalen Hurts. That's a pretty good start. Yeah, and then when you start, it, you got to go into the uh, NBA. And they got the MB right. MB. Oh, ooh. And then uh, yikes! So maybe I don't know who the Flyers have. Yeah. I mean, a hockey person can help us out with that, but that's pretty that's good. That's a good call, Derek. That so Philly, Miami's got Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Who's the Marlin that stands out? Though? Luis Arise. I mean, he might be the guy <laughs> you know, just because of his batting average. No, it's a uh, batting champion. It's a legitimate. I saw the tweet, and they didn't ask the question that I just asked, but I took that and went, "Hmm, I wonder if Minnesota with those names." Boy, they're up there. Have an umbrella. You think about they had, I mean, think of the stars that this town has had. I mean, well, there was a time where we had Kevin Garnett, Randy Moss, and Tori Hunter at Hello. the same time, and Ma- Marion Gabrook. <laughs> I mean, uh, Chris Coe's coming up around the corner. It's a nothing Wednesday. to show for it. <laughs> <laughs> we had to go there. We uh, had to go there. We come back. Uh, he's got a World Series ring. Uh, Chris Coast joining us next. Jack Michael Show, Derek Hansen on the day after the day, which now is the day that you can advance to the next day. That's what day it is today. More next on 740 The Fan. The Power Trip Morning Show. How long would we last, the three of us, if we all lived together? Four hours. 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays on 740 The Fan and 740thefan.com. One out, Chris Coast. He's three for three since entering the game. Swing and a line drive towards straightaway center field. That's going to win it for the Phils. What a comeback. And four hits off the bench for Chris Coast. I don't know how many years I got left of me doing radio, Derek. Hopefully a lot. I will never get tired of that highlight right there. For as long as I have show that will always be played you and i have been doing this a long time so it's uh chris coast joining us back from mexico by the way i don't know how many more i don't know more rings chris you know he's got a world series ring obviously he's got rings with the fargo moorhead red hawks now he's got a ring as the manager of, of, of the red hawks slash aa team that won the the baseball uh challenge that the, the big with cuba and columbia and the mexican team out there uh, but that's all good. Coaster, good to have you back on native soil. How you doing, man? Yeah, really good. This uh, trip to Mexico we had was its hard to put into words how amazing that was. Um, and then yesterday, you know, you know me, Jack, like you and Derek, I'm just a massive baseball fan. And uh, to watch my, my two teams both win, the Phillies yeah. and the Twins yesterday, I just – I imagine a World Series matchup, and if if I could wake up from a dream, that would be that'd be my dream. So, kind of what I'm hoping for as a fan of both of those teams. We've been listing, you know, and there's a, obviously, and this is just Game One of the Wild Card Series, by the way, and and there were some thrilling games in there. In fact, you know, the one that was the one other news was the fact there was only 19-7 at the Trop, 
which uh, which is the lowest attendance since the night outside of COVID year since the nineteen nineteen World Series. So unfortunately uh, for that, but the Rangers win that one. Uh, the Diamondbacks came back and beat the Brewers, and you're right, your Phillies uh, defeating the Marlins uh, four to one. And then the talk on the Twins, Chris, Derek, and I, and the, and the listeners have been and Paul Allen show on this uh, talking about this. Royce Lewis, you know, overcoming those ACLs, the injuries, the COVID year that wiped out your minor league ball, you know, the oblique strain this year, the hamstring late in the season. Chris, from a player's perspective, and and, and you've been injured before in your career. How much can you appreciate the day Royce Lewis had yesterday? Yeah, it was so much fun listening to some of the, the pregame analysis, and they, they talk about some individual stories, and when you hear his story and and almost wasn't even going to be on the postseason roster. And then when he homered in his first at-bat, man, that was I, – all I could think about was how amazing would it be to be there. Watching on TV was incredible. Mm. I mean, it was – I almost wiped a tear away. I got water in my eyes as a Twins fan, but also just loving a great story and in that moment. And uh, But to be in the stadium, I, I can't even imagine the emotion of what – when that ball left the bat and landed in left field – uh, that had to have been just insanity. I, I, uh, Derek, you and I, guys like us that have Chris and have been friends, dear friends with Coaster for a long time. A lot of us get to live vicariously through Chris. <laughs> Probably not fair to Coaster, but it's like we live through you because you, one of us, you've experienced this. Uh, I talked with some folks over at Target Field, Chris. His second home run, they said it was insane. The, the it was just I think what did Rocco say Derek in the post game it felt like the like it split the air split the it was going to melt the stadium split yeah. the atmosphere I guess the second one coaster to, to the goosebumps on that first those that were there said the second one it was just berserk lights out yeah that's one of those situations where even if you watch on TV but especially if you were there in person the only there, there's two home runs that I was able to be a part of. I didn't hit them, but I was, you know, with the Phillies in our World Series year, and it was when Shane Victorino hit a grand slam in Game One against CC Sabathia, and that's when CC Sabathia came over and went like ten and zero with the Brewers, and then and in, in like I think the second inning, Victorino hit a grand slam, and then the Matt Stairs home run against Jonathan Broxton in the NLCS, um, where it was just incredible. But one, yeah, when Combine that, I would also love to have been in the stadium when Carlos Correa made oh. that play at home plate because Amazing. of the change in dynamics of what transpired. You know, swinging bunt, Polanco doesn't make the play, the wind is kind of taken out of the sails of the statement. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, dramatic emotional change, play at the plate, this amazing play that's going to be on a highlight reel. Twins win the World Series. That play is going to be in a highlight reel for 50 years with all of us Twins so fans. That was uh, pretty special. So I'm glad, Derek, you brought that up. It, it it literally should not be over. Lewis had had obviously the moments that should not be over. So I mean, that that, yeah. that that I said earlier, Chris. I don't know how he got from that spot where he was at second base to get to the ball and then zing it home like that. It, it just seems like it it was something out of a Marvel movie. I don't know how he did that. He's just like a mutant, a superhuman to do something like that. <laughs> Well, when you when you see like the aerial view of where he was at and how he closed in on that ball, I mean, he's a major league superstar shortstop. You want your major league superstar shortstop to make that play. However, from how far away he was, but also if you go back and rewatch that play a little bit, you know, shortstops are kind of taught when a third baseman comes charging in, 
you have to keep your eye on the play just in case he doesn't make it. The ball gets bombed. You don't want that ball rolling too far in left field. You got other base runners getting around. So, you know, Correa kept his eye on the ball, even though he was still a long ways away. But I'll say it again, the clo- how he closed on that ball. Um, you know, once he barehanded, you know, shortstops make plays like that all the time. But it was his ability to to close on that ball as fast as he did. And, and I'm sure some people will kind of get on, um, I forget who the base runner was. Uh, Bob Bichette. Bichette. Yeah, it, but at the same time, there's not a base runner in the world who can run at all who would not have gone on that play. It's, that's a standard play. When the third baseman does not make that play, anybody who can run at all is going to go on that play. It's not up to the third base coach. I know sometimes third base coaches get credit and blame, but that's not a play where the third base coach really comes into play as much because the third base or the runner who's rounding third is watching the ball. He's watching the play. He's watching the fielder. He's not watching his third base coach. So that's not a play where the third base coach really comes in, comes into play very often. So um, Bichette honestly made a play that, like I said, most every base runner, unless you're really slow, like fortunately for me, I was a really slow base runner. So I would not have got thrown out sure. because I just would not have gone. So <laughs> well, sometimes yeah. the benefits being slow. <laughs> <laughs> to the difficulty, because because every base runner, as you say, knows the difficulty. He knows where the ball is. He knows what the ball has done. Correct, Chris, as you said, and he knows the difficulty and and the percentage chance. You're, you're rolling probably all those numbers as you're going, and it's a no-brainer because you know that even if, if, if Correa does come over and make it, that's just the first part. you got to barehand it. That's the second part. you got to make a throw. That's the third part, and you got to throw it somewhat accurately and get a tag applied. That's the fourth part. There's four pieces to that puzzle, Chris. Of course you go, right? Yeah, a lot of things came together on that play for the Twins, and it was just total execution on everybody's part because once he got to the ball, I had confidence that he was going to be able to make the play. But still, you do on occasion see uh, a fielder throwing the run. The ball could have got away. You know, He could have thrown it in the dirt. He could have fired it to the side, could have gotten away. You got base runners running around, you know, potentially. So it was a great play on so many fronts. I'll say it again. You do want your shortstop to be able to make that play, but when you make it on the big stage in those big moments, those plays aren't always executed. And when you're dealing with plantar fasciitis that he has, I had a really bad bout of that in uh, 2005. I know exactly how it feels to try to plant and stop. And It's one thing when you're on the move, but the way he took his first step was really where that play came together. He he closed in on it like Usain Bolt. I don't know how he got to that ball so fast. That was that was fun to watch. Derek, you brought up too the the catcher's the other part of this. So Jeffers got that plate. He got that plate blocked pretty well, Chris. You've been in that spot, in Major League Baseball, sitting at home, runner barreling down on you. I know you're not trying. It's not like an outfielder trying to maybe deke a catch to hold a runner up a little bit. Bichette's coming. <laughs> there's no. He's coming whether that ball's coming or not. He's because there's no. You can't really deke out a runner like oh you know or maybe you are Chris, but but certainly had that had a big consumption of that plate area blocked if you if you recall. So I don't know if that is a clear path thing or not from a catcher's standpoint. Well, when a play's that close to the infield, the, the catcher has a little bit more leeway because he's coming from a shorter distance, but. You know, nowadays on on that particular play, it's not an overly tough play on the catcher. He's only worried about making sure he catches it, scoops it. If the throw's off to the side, being able to swipe a tag, he knows he's not going to get run over. You know, 20 years ago, maybe a catcher feels differently. He might have got bowled over. you, you got to worry about this. And Correa did give him a pretty good throw. He kept it low. He didn't have to stretch for a throw and ex- expose himself. 
So there's a lot of positives on what Correa did. And of course, the catcher still does have to execute the play. It's, you know, there's random occasions where you do see the ball get charred free or things like that. But I'll say it again, it's the catcher doesn't have to worry about getting, you know, rolled over in that play. So it makes it a little bit easier, but still a special play on all parts. I, I'll credit the third baseman for missing the ball. That yeah. play, so. <laughs> Chris Coast, World Series champ, joining us today. Tipping pitches, boy, has this been a topic of conversation today. You know, it's it, it just uh, it's been a lot of talk about Kevin Gaussman, uh, who throws you know two pitches. You know, certainly got that split finger, Chris. Chris, break it down this way because they're different. Uh, describe, I think, the educated guess you had prior to homering off John Smoltz as to you know how he's been throwing, what he's been throwing, the count in which a pitch he's been throwing. And describe the educated guess that you apply uh, that you had going up to that bat and then homering off uh, John Smoltz versus what is perceived now of, of Gaussman and the Twins, or at least some of the Twins, picking up uh, a, a little tip uh, by, by whatever movement or what Gaussman's doing. Because there are two – Different things, but both have to deal with, you know, study and, and educated guesses, correct? Yeah, and I'm not convinced the Twins had anything special or that he was tipping pitches. Is it possible? Yes, it is possible. By the way, the Twins were taking pitches, getting off good swings. I wouldn't necessarily go by what A-Rod said in the broadcast because A-Rod was really good at getting pitches from the pitcher and signs. He was an infamous good cheater. He, that's the way in, in right. any facets, like if you want to take into that, but you know, he, so he probably just assumes that everyone else is good at it too. But I saw an amazing breakdown of Gossman and how the twins should attack him on MLB network earlier in the day before the game. And it was uh, as simple as see the ball down, let it go, see the ball up and swing the bat. And cause that split finger, if it's down by the knees, it's going to end up lower. And if it's a fastball, it's going to be a little bit up. And I thought the twins did an amazing job of doing or executing that plan perfectly where they saw the split finger and they were able to kind of lay off it for the most part down because he is for the most part, a two pitch pitcher. He does throw a breaking ball, but not very often, like 8% of the time he's going to throw hard fastballs and he's going to throw hard split. And when you know that, doesn't make it easier, but at least it takes some of the complication out of it. You have two pitches you have to worry about. See the ball down. Hopefully you don't swing at it. Not easy, but there are major league hitters. And if the ball's up at all, two inches, three inches above your knees, that's when you swing. And the Twins did an amazing – it's almost like the Twins watched that analysis that I saw because Mm. it's exactly how they executed their at-bats. And the Royce Lewis one, man, he took some good pitches and – and all of a sudden, that one to to turn around. What was it, ninety five, ninety six, whatever it was, you know, a little bit in. That's he's a special hitter. Major league hitters like him, they're special, and he did what superstars are supposed to I'm do. I'm glad you broke that down because I, you know, and obviously radio. If anybody caught Corey Provis's call, I mean, radio is such an intimate medium, and to hear those those home run calls by Provis, he was just so good yesterday, and it just felt, boy, that felt good. Listen, that. but I also saw. Uh, Alex Rodriguez breakdown. I was telling Derek, I'm like, boy, you know, he might have something here because they literally are not budging in the box. And I thought maybe they are. So I'm glad you brought up your point on that, Chris. That uh, you're right. So a ball that knee high below is probably going to continue that because it looks like it's probably a splitter. Ball knee high and above, probably the one you go after. I'm, I'm glad you broke that down. That, that, that's good. Yep. And, and the Twins have clearly, you know, millions of bites of information on anybody they're going to face. They've seen Kevin Gossman plenty. So 
there definitely had a plan. You have plans like that. Now, when a guy's throwing four different pitches, that can be tough. So as good as Gossman is and was, you know, they and he also threw an unusual amount of splits way low. Like out of his hand, it was the ball. It wasn't competitive. So I think he did that a little bit more and could have been, you know, first inning jitters or game one jitters. So I also thought that he wasn't his best early on to where those he threw too many non-competitive splits that that when he's on at his best he makes it more competitive and that will get confidence or give confidence to the hitters and when you're giving confidence to the hitters especially a good hitting team like the twins you're in trouble and that's that's kind of what happened in my opinion good too too down. many uncompetitive splits early in the game yeah, and you got to love those splits that hit the grass and you have to go block as a catcher, right? Those are always fun for you. <laughs> and they're just going right in the ground like that. Oh, my heavens. Well, and, and to your point on that, I think the interesting thing with, uh, you know, when you look at an umpire and how they were calling the game, it was a little bit all over the place. But I thought uh, all in all, you know, catching that corner sometimes, that was pretty consistent. What what was your take on that? Yeah, I thought so too. You know, the K the K zone box doesn't do any favors for the umpires. Obviously, they got no. an incredibly tough job, especially nowadays with everyone throwing such insane, nasty. Everyone's throwing ninety five plus, hundred miles an hour with sliders and sweeper slurves and whatnot. But you know, I thought it was it was pretty fair for both sides. The bottom line is the pitchers have to execute, and Gossman wasn't quite as good. But more importantly, the Twins were just really good against him. And uh, it was also fun to watch the, the Twins pitchers do their thing. And um, now, to, uh, having said that, you know, you, we turned to game two. And, you know, I've been in my share of three-game series, and they're tough because game one is obviously important. But game two is always the most important game in a three-game series because it, you either finish it if you've won game one. But if, you, if you've won game one like the Twins and you lose game two, now you've lost momentum their team feels better about themselves. So game two usually is the deciding game, in my opinion. So important game for the Twins, as we all know, not game-breaking stuff. But we're all feeling good as Twins fans, but it's also, as we know, a very fragile situation. Chris Coast uh, joining us today, a couple of minutes remaining with Coaster, back from a championship at the uh, the, the Baseball uh, World Classic, the Champions League uh, in Mexico and Yucatan, and he managed the boys uh, well down there. You know who I like watching, and Derek, I text you about this, for the Twins? Eddie Julian. Mm-hmm. His plate presence, Chris. Did I see a stat, Derek and Chris? Um, he's the best, and I, I think it's at like 14% chase. It was a chase rate stat, I think. Chris, and he's tops in major – of all players in MLB, he's tops, meaning he doesn't. And it's amazing for a young guy uh, to have that kind of presence, Chris. How do you develop that? It's it's a pure gift. Uh, there, there are certain ways to work on it, but some guys just have it. Some guys just don't. You, you, you can improve to a certain extent, but your swing rate, your take rate, your chase rate, like Javi Baez. I'm sure has probably got the highest chase rate and nothing is ever going to change that. That's kind of who he is. If he starts trying to take more pitches, he's probably going to strike out more often. So it's a gift. It's, it's confidence. It's a mentality. It's something that I never had. And I kind of was fortunate to identify that early in my career, that if I tried to take more pitches, I was going to have actually less success. But I remember the broadcaster saying that and all of a sudden he kind of spit on a pitch like two inches off the plate and it was like exactly what they were just talking about. It's yep. one of his gifts. And a, an incredibly hard guy to pitch to. And as a catcher, 
very frustrating because pitcher makes the pitch he's supposed to make and he just spits on it like it's nothing and eventually you're leaving pitches down the middle and that's why he's such a, a gifted hitter is he can take those close pitches and then absolutely tattoo anything you throw down the middle. It's amazing what they're able to do. You know, we were kind of joking earlier and getting back to like, and I think Julian really helped out to your point, the ease of losing a rise because they're very similar in how they approach things. You know, I think that helped out quite a bit and certainly helped out Pablo Lopez pitch as well as he did. But, you know, Chris, you know, going back to whether you have a, a sinker ball pitcher, a split finger, whatever, I bet you'd like to have an iPad uh, to be looking at all these things because Dick Bramer on this conversation with us yesterday said, man, on the way home from Colorado, they're just looking at their iPads and just breaking down the Rays, or I should say the Jays, the whole flight home. And that's a whole different animal now, isn't it? Yeah, we didn't have the iPads to do the like in-game or things like that, but we did have access to uh, amazing amounts of video and scouting, you know, mo- but mostly on computers in the clubhouse that was the gist of it uh you know our media guy would put together cds back when cds were a thing and, and they'd handed me more to scout our opposing uh, hitters and and things like that but the amount of video that that i was i had access to i couldn't believe it because in triple in those days we didn't have access to very much you had to rely on your experience against the guys or someone one of your teammates having faced them and all of a sudden you get to the big leagues and you know everything about everybody i mean if you want access to the guys bank account numbers and mother's maiden names and last four digits <laughs> and social security number, you can right. get at it. And so even what they have now, the immediacy and the and the monitors and the iPads, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible the things you can pick up. Doesn't make it easy hitting obviously because they're still throwing ninety seven, ninety eight with some nasty stuff, but it takes out the mystery of what the pitchers are trying to do, more so the relievers, because there's so much data and stuff on starters, even the best, but those mysterious relievers that you may never have faced before, that's when it becomes tough. That's when it, be, it becomes important to have good uh, media people or uh, scouting department, uh, analytics department, if you want to go that far. But also that's where your teammates come in. A guy like Chase Sutley for us was amazing because even if there wasn't much information, Chase Sutley would find a way to get information. And, and every team usually has a guy kind of like that. And they're kind of like the unsung heroes that don't get enough credit. And I don't know who that would be with the twins, but the information that they have access to, it's uh, certainly helpful. Well, let Chris get going here. I did reference the home run off Smoltz and, and by the way, Chris, uh, and I, cause he won't, but he homered off Smoltz and, and uh, Glavin and uh, Greg Maddox. Oh yes, yes. So he's so, so he's homing <laughs> off a few of the good ones, as we know over the years. Did you know what pitch was coming on that home run against Smoltz? Or have well, got- I was it, it was a one-one count, and I was pretty much selling on the slider. Now the difference was the slider he gave me was a hanger. He didn't hang very many, but I felt like I willed it to happen. I stepped out of the box I'm like he's going to hang me one here, just trying to like convince myself <laughs> of something that. Pro- so when he hung it, I was actually in shock, and he he hung it, but you know I was able to hit it and. Um, I, I wasn't much of a guest hitter. People thought I was, but on that particular pitch, it was only whether it was a breaking ball or not. I still had one more strike to give. So I sold out on a slider, got a bad slider and I did what I, what I had to do. That's what you got paid to do. Yeah. On that- <laughs> yeah. Well, it's amazing. Cause you know, it, I mentioned before how Kirby Puckett said when he was in a groove, he could just see the stitches of the baseball and Royce Lewis mentioned the post game show, how it was just like he was blacked out, like he was just in, you know, having an out-of-body experience. Have you been in that? I mean, whether you're with the Red Hawks or throughout your minor league career with the, the Pirates or the Phillies, I mean, you must have had moments like that as well. Oh, yeah, plenty of times where, 
when I hit the home run off the Smoltz, I was in the middle of a hot streak, so the timing was pretty good for me to face a guy like that where I was just seeing the ball really well. Because there's times where there's a guy warming up the bullpen, you know you're, gonna, you're on deck, you're going to get that guy, and you're kind of paranoid about what he has. And there's plenty of times I've been on deck knowing I'm going to get the guy in the bullpen. I was like, I don't even care what he has. I don't care if it's a slider. I don't care if he throws 94 or he's got a knuckleball. I'm going to absolutely get a good swing. I'm going to barrel whatever he throws over the plate. And if you could trick yourself to feel that way every day, you'd be Albert Pujols for those 10 years when he was with the Cardinals <laughs> in the Hall of Fame. But only so many guys can do that. I love how Chris put that. He goes, if you could trick yourself to have you think that like that, yeah, if you could bottle that up and sell it, oof, he'd That'd be, be nice. He'd be uh, good stuff. Uh, wouldn't that be something if, if, it, if, if Philly worked their way through? There's a lot of different hurdles on this one, but if they worked their way through and, and Minnesota found a way uh, to do it, Minnesota might have a little bit of that moxie. This is uh, it's a good feel. It's a good feel. Game two today, and I know in the in the in the coast household, probably a lot of baseball being taken in today. My guess is, Chris, it's like, it's if you don't get enough of it during the summer, eh, you're probably got a few more hours uh, in you, right? Yep, there'll be baseball on all day on our TV. No volleyball tonight, so yep, baseball yeah. nonstop all day in the coast house. Did, did Perm play last? Perm, not bad. Little Perm, a little yellow jacket volleyball plug, by the way. I think Perm beat your uh, Barnesville Trojans, Derek, if I'm not mistaken. Perm's been yes, a, they did. Yes, they Perm did. has good, been good at volleyball since I was uh, since the Taft since administration. The first Star Wars came out. <laughs> 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 like crazy and perm wrestling. It's oh, right there. Yeah, that's exactly it. Coaster, congratulations on, on the championship down in Mexico to you and the guys. Obviously, that was impressive. And, and uh, hopefully, we'll be able to talk some ball as we move into the postseason in, in MLB. Thanks, Chris, for the time today, buddy. Yeah, giddy up. Thanks for having me, guys. Talk to you again when it's uh, Twin Stillers in the World Series Game 1. Get Let's up. go. Chris Coast, the uh, World Series champion, joining us today. Quick timeout. I don't think we'll be able to hold off talking to him before the World Series. No, we're going to have to bring him back (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, Chris. We got your number. You just got a piece of what, you know, those of us that are lucky enough to travel around with guys like Chris Coast and Robbie – you know, know, Robbie Lopez, you know, uh, Anthony Renz, you know, Jeff Bittiger – Ball talk, Derek. Oh, it, man. Just, I used inside. to pick Daryl Motley's brain about Mot- what was that, that like. You that know? inside ball, you know, and, and all that. It's just, uh, yeah, it's good to say. I got a food question coming up next that might be impossible to, to answer. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of set the stage. We're busy. We got Marlon. Uh, we got. Uh, I was at 338 yet. That's what I'm. <laughs> just want 338 that first per, pitch. <laughs> what is it? That's just still a couple hours away oh, I from know. that. I know. I'm getting anxious. Oh, I got Quick timeout. Back with more after this on 740 The Fed. Paul Allen. Justin Jefferson. I mean, when I hear those people, you know, being doubtful of what I'm saying, you know, I just I just let them talk and I'm going to let my play do the talk. Nine to noon weekdays on 740 The Fan and 740thefan.com. 30 minutes from now, don't freak out. 30 minutes from now, don't <laughs> freak out. That's right. Wouldn't it be, uh, there's a national emergency alert uh Tone that's going to be sent. It's going to hit you on your phone and, and every whatever other tablet. Interrupt, you got. common man. Yeah, it's going to do everything through radio, through television, through your cell phone. I mean, great. Like if it was just a song instead of like I don't. I haven't heard. Have you heard the tone, Derek? You know what it's going to be. Oh at, yeah. At one twenty today. Yeah, is it'll it, be like the normal test that we like do here EAS once a week test? at the end of the show, and but it'll it'll have a message in between it. So it'll be like. Arr. Yeah. Arr. Yeah. Arr. <laughs> Something annoying like that. Correct. Wouldn't it be great if they just used uh, Harry and Lloyd from Dumb and <laughs> Dumb and Dumber? I don't know if there's much of a difference. Allergic, uh, so that's coming up at one twenty. A national one twenty emergency alert 
tone that everybody on the planet, or at least in the States, is going to get. Here's my question for you, Derek. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm trying not to eat today. Uh, computer baseball league. Uh, You're thir- trying not to eat. Not to eat until tonight. I don't know what year this is for us, 30, 33, 34 years, you know, a bunch of those of us, uh, you know, we gather at the, at the Ellis house, and it's it's day one tonight of the season. It's day one tonight. Day one tonight. It's the infamous CBL league. Uh-huh. A bunch of, you know, we've drafted our players from last year's stats, right? It carries you the winner. But As I say, it's it's like the Oregon Trail of baseball, yes. right? <laughs> Linda Ellis is cooking tonight. So yeah. here's my food question for you. So every the, the first night of the league, which is tonight, Linda makes French dip, Sandwich and cheesy hash browns. Nice, unbelievable. And the fact that it's a little cooler today, even better. Perfect. So I, I asked this question earlier of like Greg the singlet wrestler and Jordan Bennett down there in our prod room. I said if you had to pick the top two foods that you dip and the sauce you dip them into, what would your top two? Because French, not, I'm not talking about a condiment necessarily here. Not not something you put on, something you dip into. Mm-hmm. What would be your top two foods and then the subsequent sauce that you dip into or paste or whatever it is that you dip if you had to name your top two only? Now, mine, just to add, can't ask it without answering it, was uh, crab and or, you know, lobster into butter. Yeah. So that's a good combo. And, and, and oddly enough, tater tots into mayo. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not. That's interesting. Greg Ressler... Our dear colleague said, uh, ooh, good question. I'll go fries into gravy. I went, ooh. That's... And then Jordan Bennett down the hall said, strawberries into Nutella or Nutella. So we've been having this battle. So I'm curious, Derek, Derek it is lunchtime. Um, there's some others that came in. Oreo cookie into milk. Um, where's the other one that came in? Um Chicken nuggets into ranch? I would say just, you know, and chicken nuggets essentially what boneless wings are too, so that's probably one of mine. Into a ranch? Yeah. Mozzarella sticks, I don't know this taste, but into marinara sauce? Yeah, I was, see, here's where you got me. So you're making me pick two. Yeah, two. I'm narrowing it to two two only. There's three that I wrestle with that I, I mean, so yeah, it's cheese sticks and marinara. marinara. And then... uh, I think obviously that, like you said, the boneless buffalo wings into, into ranch. ranch. I know a lot of people like blue cheese, but Oof. and my favorite side. If it, if it's a side as an option, no matter if I'm having a burger, whether I'm having whatever, are you dipping it into? That's the only qualification. It's not tortilla po- chips into a salsa. Yeah, Jordan Bennett also chips said free. He said uh, chips into guac. Yeah, and that's pretty good too. And so, sometimes you, if you mix the right salsa with the right guac, it's... Oh. These are ideas now since you're gonna, you could huddle around the radio and listen to the tw- Twins game right. and do the... You know what almost killed me when I was nine, maybe ten, where I still to this day can't do it? Um, grilled cheese sandwich into... Tomato soup. Tomato soup. So there's your... Uh, there was that was, the, that was the other question I was going to have for the Dex Club today. At three five two seven uh, zero, and you're still uh, you know viable to play that. Oh do yeah. Have, do I have time to burn another call? We do. Uh, Andrew and DL is checking Andrew. in on this. Oh, uh, hey, Wednesday. Andrew, good to have you on board. What's up in the great state of Minnesota? Hi, Andrew. Uh, well, it's a little uh, dreary around here, but it's going to fire up here at about three thirty eight p.m. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. yeah, it is. 
Uh, I had to, you mentioned food, so I had to call in. Yeah, but he got. We talked talked about a blanket of onions over a burger. Two things. I'm gonna go a little obscure right off the bat. Okay. A McDonald's double cheeseburger and a sweet and sour sauce. Haven't it tried it, Derek. Have you? A no, double cheeseburger and a sweet and sour. Yeah. Oh man, come on now! I'm getting goosebumps. Okay. Um, <laughs> and the second one is the best dip I've ever encountered. I encountered at Deer Camp a couple years ago. We call it concrete dip. Con- it is Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean's hot sausage. Okay. Rotella and cream cheese, and that's it. Trust me, you will not leave the side of that crock pot if you enjoy those three things. Is it changing it is your life? Is, is it a life-changing uh, event? The, oh, yeah. So you, Jimmy Dean's you know, sausage first, into, and then what did you have? You had something about cement? What Jimmy Dean's sausage? We call, dip- we call it concrete dip because after you eat a large meal like you do at deer camp, of all that greasy food, you uh, eat too much because your wife's it. not around to tell you to stop eating. Right. And you eat that dip and it spackles in all the little crevices that are open in uh, your stomach to make mm. you feel even much more miserable. Yeah. It's so good you can't stop. I can't do the cane sauce, but for my friends that take it, you know, and I love canes, but uh, that sauce apparently is pretty high. We're getting some. Yeah, we got, yeah, we got uh, some messaging. You mentioned the grilled cheese and tomato soup. Yep. That's uh, a text. Uh, shrimp and a tartar sauce. Shrimp and a tartar. Yeah, I don't do Cocktail. tartar. Yeah. I go into mayo, but that's me. Yeah. Mayo? Yeah. Okay. I like mayo. Mayo. <laughs> when, <laughs> mayo. When you're allergic to tomatoes and spice, mayo becomes one of your yeah. universal. Uh, I suppose. Uh, dippers. Uh, onion rings or onion petals into Speedway sauce or shrimp into Speedway sauce. I don't know Speedway sauce? Yeah. Oh, in the, at the Speedway? It must be. I'm guessing. Hey, and I will say tartar sauce is about one of the most versatile unknown sauces that, that exists out there. Don't just limit it to seafood. It's it's pretty elite with right. most anything. I don't know if it's the Deion Sanders versatility or the Bo Jackson versatility sauce, but it's in the neighborhood, right? <laughs> There's yeah. a place in the lakes well, area. Well, Bo Jackson or Deion, you can't go wrong. Right. I'll, I'll pull a jack here. and uh, What do you got? Um, there's a place that's uh, on Lake it. Sally that uh, is uh, sounds like Motel Horum. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> That <laughs> Motel Forum. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> Thank so, you, Derek. So, uh, but they have the only type of t- tartar sauce I've ever liked. They have dill pickle tartar sauce. What do you put their walleye fingers? Oh, you dip your walleye fingers into that it. That they have. Yeah. They are so good. Yep. So. I love how Great Andrew, the last couple of times we've chatted sports and then dived, uh, dove into thing. Andrew's given us not yeah, only he's, a, good. he's got a, a tip of a concrete. He's a food connoisseur <laughs> of the lakes area. Hey, <laughs> I. The most times, the last time I've called in, I have just eaten and I'm hungry again. Yeah, that's a good thing. Well, before I move back in from lake season, I think maybe we should go to one of these places. Yeah. And, uh, what was that? So other I'll one meet up name? with you, Andrew. Yeah. We'll get <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Live from location for a beer, whatever the case yeah. may be, you let me know and I'm there. Sounds Thanks. good. Thanks, brother. Uh, good to have you, son. You got it. Uh, Twins at 338 today. We've got baseball here tonight. Uh, let's see if, uh, I guess, uh, uh, Chris Coast Phillies can get her done. Common Man is coming up next. Again, 120 today is that national alert system, so get ready for that on your phones. 120 today. Go. Hey. 7.40 The Fan is KNFL Fargo at 107.3 K297BW Fargo-Moorhead. Say that 10 times fast. That's hard to do. 